Thank you for tuning in to listen to this sermon from the Ville Church. To find out more about us and our weekly scheduled services, please visit theville.church. Well, let's start right there, whatever. Hebrews 11, verse 1, if you want to follow in your text. I told you I'm feeling crazy today, so y'all forgive me if I just jump all over the place. Friends, start the clock over, because now we're going to start. All right? I'm just excited. I really, really am, for real. All right, so the Bible says this, Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, right? So basically it's saying that faith is what? Substance and evidence, right? This is the definition of substance. The substance is this, right? It says the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has a tangible and a solid presence. That's the worldly definition of substance. But the working definition we're going to go with this morning is this right here. Faith, the spiritual matter, not the physical matter, the spiritual matter of which a person or thing consists in the future. Y'all with me? All right? I just had to get deep early to try to make y'all think I'm smart so I won't lose y'all. All All right? Y'all with me? All right. And then evidence, the available body of facts or information indicating whether a belief or proposition is true or valid. So evidence is basically what you got in front of you to evaluate if something is real or not. You get where I'm coming from? And faith is the substance of something that is hoped for, the evidence of something not seen, right? So last week, y'all might have heard, if you were at the um, second mile speech I did this week, then you might have heard me talk about this. But last week I was, um, I was driving, I ran past one of my homeboys at the bus stop. So I stopped and, you know, picked him up. And uh, I was like, you know, I hit a U, he came back, got him and stuff. And I was like, yo, what's up, homie? Jumped in the car and then took him to the store and then took him to his crib. And then I ended up sitting inside of the car with him. He, I, I've known this guy almost like 20 years, right? And so, and so I'm sitting in the car with him and we just start talking about God and Jesus and everything or whatever. He's like laying his heart on me and everything else. And like, I, this, we've had these interactions several times over the years. We just always see each other in the street. He even said, he said, bro, I don't see nobody randomly like you. And I don't know what the heck it is. I was like, I don't see nobody as much as you. But I'm like, I know God then brought us together for this conversation is what I was telling him, right? And this is the statement he said to me. He said, he said, you know what? He said, 20 years ago, I decided I don't mess with Jesus. I don't mess with church and none of that stuff. He's like, I've been through with it. He's like, but every time I see you, you mess with me. He said, you mess with me because I know where you came from, and every time I see you on the same thing, you just be crazy, like I'm acting today, over Jesus. Jesus crazy, right? And he's like, it messes with me. And basically what he was saying, and I want you to connect this to the, to the working definition, to the scripture up here. He's saying, this thing I said that I don't believe in, all of a sudden when I see you, the substance of how you move by faith, right? Because that substance is this action and this movement and this thing, this belief that calls me, it compels me to walk away. It gives me another reality. It gives you another reality in your life. You get where I'm coming from? So like where everybody else is like, this isn't real, so they walk this way. You have faith in something that, they, that you can't see and they can't see, but for you it's so real that you're now walking. That's the substance, the walk. You get where I'm coming from? So my man's like, yo, your substance makes me think this thing that I said isn't true got to be true. Or it may be true. Or whatever the case is, I need to entertain it is what he told me. He said, my heart is super hard. And he said, there's something inside of you that I need. I can, I can see it. Y'all get where I'm coming from? 
faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So the substance is crazy powerful. It's crazy powerful, right? I want to show it to you inside of the scripture with Abraham. All right, the Bible says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker is God. So in verse 8, so it says, it starts off straight off the bat, by faith Abraham, right? And then it says, he went out not knowing. Um, I don't want to move too fast and start just preaching your head off because of what I got on the paper, right? This is so vital for the church to get. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the di- Faith is the difference between us just living in this mundane place where we add up two plus two. There's nothing wrong with wisdom, right? There's nothing wrong with, with wisdom, calculation, and strategy. The Bible points us to that, right? But it also points us to this thing where we are actually creating things, right? And we're walking in the things that God is showing us, and they're not always logical. They demand faith, right? If you ask me why the church in America is where it's at, the thing that's broken in it is faith. It's a lack of faith. We don't have faith to go into hard relationships. Therefore, we don't bear the fruit of long suffering in a relationship that may be grievous and hard, but will produce a beautiful fruit at the end. You get where I'm coming from? So people go, man, you know, can it really be that there can be churches that are diverse for real? Yeah, if we just step into it by faith. Right. God empowers us when we step into faith. Faith isn't about how big your muscles are. It's about how big you think God's muscles are. You get where I'm coming from? I want you to get there and grasp that because. I mean, this in a personal way for your life personally. I mean it for my life personally. Like if you're in this right and if you're in this place and if you're in this situation where you feel stuck. Then this is for you. And the reason it's so why I'm so excited about it and it's so good for me because like, man, this is how I've operated in life. I've never known nothing, still don't know nothing. Anything I've ever attained just started from the bottom with faith. But as of recent, God been messing with me. Like, Jay, you're getting comfortable, brother. You, you, you know, you're not thriving anymore. You're surviving. You're praying your prayers like, God, help us make it, make it through this thing. Instead of, God, I know you already took care of this thing. I'm looking towards this future thing. After you get this mess wrapped up, you get this debt knocked out. Now I want to go. I'm already. So what are, you, what are you doing next? Like, God, what's on the horizon? But if you don't have faith, you can't get there. You're just stuck in trying to keep your head above water. Do you get where I'm coming from? That's not to shame or condemn anybody who's in the struggle. I'm saying that faith is for the struggle and it's also for the next chapter. I just want to get you there so you can have a working understanding of why this is so important because we have a God like I feel like God is in heaven right now like yo man give me a mess to 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 give me like God is like release your faith so I can thug something out I'm sorry I was the thugging me <laughs> how can I say this better God wants a problem put a problem in front of him in faith do you get where I'm coming from he's dying to get on your problems He's dying to get on your problems. 
We don't overcome because you're smart. We don't overcome because you made all the right decisions. So it's not even like, God, I'm a mess. I keep messing up my finances. I'm so foolish or whatever. God knows how to deal with foolish. When his son Jesus went to the cross, he already knew you were foolish. Do you get where I'm coming from? Like, sometimes we act like our issues and our shortcomings are bigger than the cross and bigger than God. We come as sinners. We, you, it, it, it's already off balance from the beginning. God, I'm a wreck and I'm a sinner. Save me. That's already a weird proposition. But we're dealing with a God of mercy and grace and goodness. You get where I'm coming from? So take that concept and apply it to the issues you, you deal with every day. You don't have to wallow in, man, I'm messing up. I can't keep a job and all this stuff. Maybe that is the situation. But you can still sick God on that situation. Even if it's you, you can, sick God, you can, you can put God on that thing that's broken in you. He's faithful. He's faithful, all right? By faith he sojourned, not knowing. Not knowing is a part of the whole thing. It's a vital part of it. It says he went out not knowing whether he went. God does not always show you the whole picture. Some of us use that as an excuse. We've been planning the same, to do the same businesses for like 18 years. And, we, and we're gathering data all day long. And we're like, you know, I'm just trying to get everything together and connect the dots and this and that. Da -da. But he already told you to go. He told you to go. And that's all you really need to know. Most definitely exercise wisdom. Definitely exercise planning. Definitely try to shoot for good administration and excellence. But God tell you to go, then it's go. We in church today. It's press go time. No, look. Look, slides messing up and all that. But guess what? We on go mode. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? Your issues don't mean that God is, you know, held back. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this right here. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Right? Let that land on you real quick. For we walk by faith, not by sight. This is what believers do. This is, this is our position. This is how we move. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. As we are communicating with the Father and the things that he's showing us, people are like, that's not possible. Yes, it is. The same old, same old just doesn't work for believers. We were birthed to be monuments for his glory. Our faith says to the world that there is something more. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I remember back in the day when I used to go to um, the fashion trade shows in Las Vegas, and I used to go for 11 years straight. I remember I didn't know nothing. I had no skills in the marketplace whatsoever. I just knew how, I knew how to get some colored pencils and draw on a piece of paper. Nevertheless, it was my dream. But I remember I used to pull up to the show. Um, first, I started off. My friends and my crew used to come with me, and after a while, nobody else was coming. And I was on the plane twice a year by myself. I used to pull up to that show, and I used to sit in the parking lot, and I used to cry my eyes out because I said I would be like, God, I don't have any more. I can't even walk in the building because I feel like such a fool. This is year number eight, and people are like, oh, that's cool. You've been doing the business thing. We haven't seen nothing yet. And there, people are saying that to me. But guess what? Satan's whispering it in my ear too. And I'm starting to feel like a, just a straight-up fool. So... What's going to get me to walk in the door but faith? 
So I used to have to sit in the car and cry and get into scriptures until God got bigger than this giant of an industry or a giant of a dream that I didn't think was attainable. Do you get where I'm coming from? I still was not resourced. I still didn't have an education in the market or the field. But I knew that God was bigger than any of that. You get where I'm coming from? Man, if y'all get a hold of this, you'll start doing some crazy stuff, I'm telling you. When somebody tells you they got something going, they're like, yo, man, you know, I'm trying to do this and this and this. It doesn't mean anything to you until you start seeing them put substance to it, until you see faith, right? It's not even real. This church right here was formed out of faith. My brother Matt Jens, when I first met him, he was like, yo, man, you know, I'm, I, wanted, I feel like God is calling me to do this, to, 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 to plant this church. And it's supposed to be in an urban context and it's supposed to be a diverse work where black and white people and everything come together and, 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 and we come together for the glory of God and everything else. I was like, brother, do you know what city you in? I'm like, homie, I don't know. Yeah, that's cute and all that. But, you know, I'm like, we could do it if you're going to do like plates. Like, but you talking about like really talking to each other like, yeah. But by faith, this church wasn't here. It's almost, we're coming up on almost five years, right? Straight up and down. Faith. John Piper made this point, whatever. I'm about to steal this whole thing or whatever. Real quick. I don't even care. As long as y'all get the point. Plagiarizing. And then they, I'm just playing. All right. <laughs> Luke, Luke 22, 31, right? It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has the Satan has Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I pray for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you to, until you deny three times that you know me. Right. The point Piper was making when he talked about the scripture was he was saying he was talking about how a sift works and how you press something through it and it separates something, right? Like it takes this out and leaves something on the top. And he's saying in this, in, in this scripture, the point that was being made that Jesus was saying was that he literally wants to separate you from your faith. Do you get where I'm coming from? Like Satan hates you and he hates your faith. Because your faith can move mountains. Your faith can change this whole city. Your faith can change everything that happens in the city in the justice system or whatever the case may be. Do you get where I'm coming from? So if he can get you to just sit in church and just whatever and this and that, but have faith, you're not a threat at all. He's welcome you to sit in church all day. But if we are a church, even if this church is small in numbers and we move in faith, yo, we can rock the whole city. But Satan wants to sift us like wheat. He wants to separate you from your faith. So when you're having trials and you're going through stuff every day, which I know some of y'all in here are going through, don't be confused about what it is. Satan is looking to sift you like wheat. He wants to beat you down to the point where you just, this thing is too hard. Right? But the testing of your faith, on the other hand, it builds your faith, right? And if your faith is, if your faith is getting stretched, 
and he's trying to sift you and separate you, but you, but by the grace of God you hold on and trust him, that joint going to be even harder next time for him to come at you. You get where I'm coming from? So these trials are meant to build you. I know this firsthand. First Timothy 6 says, fight the good fight of faith. It says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, says faith again. Love, steadfastness, gentleness. Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of, Je and of Christ Jesus, who is the testimony, who, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present, present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Listen to verse 20. He says, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you and avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the face, faith. And he says, grace be with you. What Paul is telling Timothy in this scripture, and I want to run the whole thing so you can see the whole picture of it. He is telling him. Satan is looking to crush faith out of you, right? And he says, fight the good fight of faith. People, we're in a war, right? We're in a war. As your pastor, I'm going to tell you that. Because I don't think we, we sell church life a lot of times as with these sweet, you know, Hallmark card deals. This is thug life. Real deal. This is real, real war. You have a real enemy and his name is Satan. And he's, he wants to destroy your soul and he wants to destroy your faith. Right? He says, fight the good fight of faith in verse, it, it, um, excuse me, he says, fight the good fight, fight of faith in verse 12. I just want to read this back to you. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you have you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God. You know what he's saying when he's reminding him about the confession he made? He's talking about when you first when the gospel first got a hold of you. And I want some of you to go back to this in your mind and you determine what kind of fight you've been putting up. He's talking about when you first got baptized or you or you're called to Christ and you got baptized and we looked you in your face or whatever pastor baptized you and he said, do you believe this with all your heart? And you said, yes. Like you turn from your sin and you willing to follow Jesus with all your heart, like Luke 9 says, right? And you said, yes. What he's saying is, homie, don't let Satan steal that moment from you. That's what he's saying to him. 
You get where I'm coming from? Right now in the church, we've been working on a the vision for the church, and it very much has to do with discipleship. I'll be the first person. I'm going coming off my notes. I've been the first. I will be the first person to admit and re, and repent before you that discipleship in this church is not where it should be. And so we're working crazy hard on it right now because I, as your pastor, I'm not going to let Satan steal that moment from you. So once you get dunked in the tub, it's not you just come up and it's like, all right, I'll figure out something to do. That keeps me up at night. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is what he's telling Timothy. Don't let him take that moment. I charge you in front of everybody. But you know, he says, I charge you in the presence of God. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God. Oh, Timothy in verse 20, he says, guard the deposit entrusted to you. He's talking about the faith. That's why he keeps saying in verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Do you see where I'm coming from? Are y'all with me? Let me jump back up to Luke 22 to show you something else. Verse Luke 22, 32, he says, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will crow this day, will, uh, will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. The reason I wanted to hit you back up to that or whatever, because I just told you a second ago, I said, think about when you gave your uh, life to Christ or you got baptized. And I said, think about it. Evaluate. Have you been doing what he's telling Timothy to do? Have you been holding to your faith and protecting it with this vigorousness that he's describing in the text, right? So I don't know where you landed, but maybe your answer was no. But you're not alone because Peter is the same thing. Peter was a follower also, and he denied Christ three times. But look, look at what Christ says. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. He's actually prophesying right here. And when you have turned again, he's already, he, you get where I'm coming from? Homie, you're going you gonna to turn on me. I know you think you're a ride or die soldier, Peter, but you're going to be the first one. And I know you cut ears off and all that. And you're like, no, I got you, Jesus. These other suckers might run up on you, but homie, I don't care, man. 50 against us, we're going whatever. I'm dying with you, ride or die. Soon as soon as the, the maid said, Peter, do I know, don't I know you? I, I don't know, Jesus. I don't know why y'all keep saying that. You know he's tripping. But it's not about your faithfulness, right? It's about his faithfulness. His faithfulness is what builds your faithfulness. All right? So peep this out. He says, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. He's prophesying his, his fall, but he's also giving them instruction because he already knows that his mercy and grace is way gangster than Peter's denial of him three times. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is for anybody who's sitting around condemned right now or they feel like they're a mess. God's grace is way bigger than your failure. And he still has a plan already where you may be sitting in the middle of the failure or in the middle of a lie or the middle of secret sin. He already has a plan past that already. Do you get where I'm coming from? Peter, here's the instructions after you get, your, after you get out this mess you're about to step into. Man, I was, I was, man, y'all make me throw the podium. This thing crazy. All right. James 1.3 says, because you know that the testing of your faith 
produces perseverance, right? So God's grace and mercy is outrunning Peter's failure. He's going to outrun yours also. So in that, right, you're going to find yourself on the ground looking like a straight-up failure, and God's mercy is going to come through, and you're going to feel like, and you're going to be moving like this right here. But after a while, when he keeps showing how deep his mercy and grace is, after a while, you stop letting the enemy just pull you and yank you around. You're like, I know who my father is. I'm not excited today because I got it right, right? I lost it on my son when I seen the tablet this morning. I flipped out. I had to go back in the room and be like, man, you know, I need you to forgive me. Daddy shouldn't have just yelled at you like that. That's what really happened. You get where I'm coming from? So I ain't up here by faith because, yo, Jay, he must be really seeing the Lord right now. Pastor Jay sucks. But God don't. He doesn't at all. He's faithful. So it's enough to be crazy even when you don't feel like it. Y'all get where I'm coming from? I'm telling you all this because we got a calling in this church to ramshack Satan. Now, I don't know if you see it yet, but we're going to get there. And, 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 and we're going to need faith. It's pivotal. So what is the outcome of our faith? What does it accomplish? All of our hunger is satisfied in God through faith in his son Jesus. Right? Look what happens with Peter when he tells him, he says, strengthen your brothers. Right? He says, strengthen your brothers. Your faith keeps giving you this testimony as you persevere, where now you're able to lavish it on people and bring them into the kingdom. You're, you, 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 you have a fire on you that makes people start believing, like, it starts building their faith, right? Even if they ain't crossed over to the other side, they could be a straight, as reckless and anti-God as I don't know what. But you don't understand. How just our, our, our small faith messes with people. Like, it's, like you, you have to believe the scriptures. Like, you got to believe the word. I know what people do when you roll up on me. Like, they try to shut you down or dish you and all that. But you know how many people I didn't talk to that I swore thought I was a fool or a clown because I believed in Jesus? And then when we got away from, our, from their friends, they were like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. And, I, and I, I'm walking around kind of with a little bit of anger in my heart because I thought that I was just a little fool to them and a sucker. And I'm getting in my flesh. But nevertheless, my faith is messing their whole world up. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, we spend too much time believing what the enemy is saying versus believing what the word says. Well, if, if the word says it, it is what it is. And when it says that this faith is powerful, it is what it is. Faith in Jesus is nothing, no joke. All right. When you believe, God is glorified, right? When you believe in the cross, in the work of the cross, when you have faith, there's no con condemnation for us as believers. That's part of our inheritance. We don't have to walk around feeling beat down and everything, whatever. Jesus Christ has already took on the, um, the, the, the burden of our sin. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is the things, the beautiful things that faith does. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The salvation of our soul is only possible through faith in Christ, right? 1 Peter uh, 1, 8 through 9 says this. It says, this statement right here, I don't know where you're at right now, but this thing right here is just like beautiful, this first thing. I just like even saying it. It says, though you have not seen him, 
you love him. You can come back to it later. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We have not seen him, but we love him. It testifies to who he is. We are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. That's why we smile even on a bad day. Do you get where I'm coming from? This is our inheritance. This is what the, this is what the saints get, get to rock with. Um, The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, right? It says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. We don't throw up gates. They throw up gates. We storm the gates. Do you get where I'm coming from? But, like, we don't function like that as a church. We spend our time kind of, like, talking about the threats outside. But by faith expressed in love, we call the pillage the streets with the love of God. Do you get where I'm coming from? I just, I, I just want you to get a vision of something else. It's faith in who he is. God is able to do it. It's not, it's not how hard you work. It's faith. It's believing he's able to do it, right? It, it, it bothers me so much because it, I feel like the world is, is uh, like everybody's getting catfished. Everybody's in love with something, right? Whether it's money, whether it's, you know, being efficient, being the best. Um, it could be the streets. It could be women, whatever idol it is. And they're all getting catfished. And we have the real love of God, right? That it rocks this whole world. And the only thing that's keeping us from taking it forward is faith. Like, we don't take this light and put it up under something and cover it up. We're supposed to let it shine on the whole world. But it takes faith, right? Do we really believe what God is saying? Do we really believe that the King of Kings is all that and that his word is true and the cross is true? These are some of the questions it makes us have to ask, right? Another thing that faith does, says our faith is building. We become more like Jesus following the example he set for us. Hebrews 12, 2, let me read this to you. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Right? So Jesus' eyes were on us, and he was setting the example for us. He was pioneering a way that was... It, that was faith. He's the perfecter of faith. That's the example we have. He did what the father called him to do. That was it. His trust and his faith was in the father to the point of going to the cross and being brutalized. Right. Every time he was spit on, every time he was beat, every time he was disrespected, even knowing he was royalty, he knew it was the plan for the father. So he endured it. Do you get where I'm coming from? So it's, he's the perfecter of our faith. He is what makes it possible for us to be crazy enough 
to say that we're going to do something crazy like plant 10 churches in the city. I don't know who would say something crazy like that, but maybe somebody said it. I don't know, but we'll get back to that later. But he's the perfecter of our faith. But, but how do we do this as a church that's multicultural and has all of these things with it, not rich by any means, right? How do you do that? First of all, you have to know what God is calling you to do. And if he says that he, that's what you're going to do, then that's all you need to know. And then you start walking. We walk by faith and not by sight. Y'all get what I'm trying to show you here? We always try to fix everything in the whole middle of the plan. You start right here. God says, yo, this is what I'm telling you to do. And then you just start walking. All of this stuff that not knowing I mentioned in the beginning, that's a part of it. Right? That's a part of it. You walk by faith. It's faith alone. Galatians 3. Let me read this to you. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Listen to this right, right here, verse 22. It says, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ may be given to those who believe. So it's faith alone. So when you read the scripture, you go through the Old Testament. And when they were trying to function up under the law, not that the law is not perfect, but these rules were meant to actually point us to the cross. Because you can never keep all of the commandments of God, right? So you end up failing before them. Not that the, not that the rules aren't perfect. You're not perfect. So that's what it means when it said it imprisoned us to sin. It's like being in a maze and you're trying to get out that thing. But no matter which way you go, you end up at this brick wall, right? And the reason God made it so is because he was going to glorify himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So... Everything else you try is going to lead to nothingness. But by faith, through my son Jesus Christ is the only way you will stand before me and be proclaimed to be righteous, to be clean, to be holy. You get where I'm coming from? And be a part of my eternal kingdom. That's what he's telling us. It's by faith alone. You understand? I'm going to end with this right here. Um, it's a. Uh, the church. And I'm speaking in general. Is in bad shape when we believe anything but what the word says right here about faith. We in bad shape. Let me tell you why. Because. This is how we end up with superstar preachers. Because we stop believing that what is in front of us is established by faith. So we can start cel celebrating people's attributes and the values that are attached to themselves, right? 
And then some people, even, even as leaders, are at fault. Like one of the things that if you're a leader or a pastor, whatever you do, or if you even in your job or a lay person, whatever, when you get put on a podium, you have to intentionally be mindful of knocking down any praise anybody would give you and point to the one who deserves the glory. That has to be something that is already rehearsed in your heart. And I don't mean a false, um, a false humility. I mean what is simply true. He's the only one worth being glorified, right? Without his son, how many of us are even here? How many of us are even alive without faith in Jesus Christ, right? So I ask you, right, do you believe that he is making broken, thi broken things brand new? That he's shining the light of truth and justice through his children? Do you believe he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for sinners like you and I? Do you believe that his mercy outruns your sin and there is no com condemnation for us who believe? I have to ask you that, and that's what I have to leave you with, because if you do, then I'm going to ask you if your faith is looking like it. Like, does it, does it really connect the dots? If somebody spies on your life, and they can just look from the corner and watch you without them knowing and don't know nothing about you, would they start to gather like, homeboy believes something different. Like, I didn't watch the rest of the world, and they all going this way. But they going this way. What is it they believe? I'm just asking you, does it practically have an effect on your actions, or is it just something you sing in the morning, or when you worship, does it go to the gut of you? That's, that's, what I, that's what I'm asking you. I have to ask myself that. I don't mean for this to condemn anybody. I just know that we're about to go to war. We're already in a war, but we're about to go to a whole other type of war. And I just want to make sure y'all on deck to get crazy. Because I'm not going to have all the answers for you. I'm just going to say this is where the Lord is pointing. And I need some crazy people with crazy faith to go. So ask yourself, does it connect does it have practical implications on your life? Does it have implications on your finances with your giving? That's not a, I'm not making a play for you to give to the church. I give to the church. I got nine kids, but I give because I believe what God is doing is that he's about to shake up this whole city through his gospel. Not because we're an awesome church, because we're going to do cool things, but because when Jesus is preached, things change. Period. Period. Does it have an impact on how you deal with your neighbor in the seat next to you? Do you see yourself in the big plan of what God is doing and how he gives glory? He brings glory to himself through how you treat the person in the seat next to you? Do you believe the things he says about like long suffering and patience, the stuff and the tools we need to get through these hard relationships and these hard conversations? He never said it was going to be perfect. He didn't say that. He said, have faith. And these are the things I've given you to walk in because they're fruitful. When you have mercy, it's fruitful. Right? It says, you saints that are, have been here forever and you feel you're playing it so hard in the church. The Bible says, do not serve yourself, but serve the weaker people. Serve their preferences a little bit. 
I think one of the big issues in the church today is that all the people that have been in the church forever have grown old in it and they demand to be worshipped. So all the young crazy people coming in looking like this and look, just looking like me. I don't got to turn my head to side. Y'all know how I roll. They're like, ah, there's not a place for you. But no, actually in service to you and to the glory of God, we're going to actually, you're going to get preference in this place. Do y'all get where I'm coming from? This stuff sounds crazy, but it's by faith. We're not like the world. We don't do what they do. I sat in the class this week. I'm sorry I'm taking long. Friend, pull up those evac pictures. I sat in the class this week with the evac boys, right? And... I'm, I'm listening to these boys tell their stories. And, as they listen, and I know all of them, and I know their stories. But I got so overwhelmed listening to them because I'm listening to kids who are just dealing with being homeless for so long. Right? Kids whose fathers are sitting doing 30 years in prison. Their friends are getting shot and killed around them. I can't even believe it when I come in the classroom. I'm like, how is this even possible? This is happening so often. And I'm listening to them tell their testimonies. And I know them. And I know their stories. I know half of them are crazy. I go on their Facebook and they're crazy. But I know they're fighting a fight out of this world right now. Right? They're getting a twinkling in their eye that maybe I can be something different. Faith is starting to take root. Right? Starting to take root. Maybe I could do something different. And then, and then I sit sometimes in these meetings and I see the flow of conversation. How can I say it? I can taste the disdain to the youth in our city and the people that are called to lead it. Do you get where I'm coming from? It's not all of them. I'm not trying to demonize everybody. We, do, we, we work with officers, we work with the state attorney, we work with the U.S. attorney, and some of them are absolutely amazing. But some of them, they have a disdain even for our children in our city. But when I'm, and it's so unfair because when I'm listening to their stories, I'm like, where do you expect them to land at? What do you expect? We can't get nowhere like that. If we, if we don't be responsible about the narrative that has brought them there, but we just go, you're a thug, and that's that, then we will forever be stuck there. But if people by faith, if people by faith are willing to walk into some long-suffering and some patience and some mercy, and believe me, God got people everywhere. He got officers. He got everybody. So we in the midst of all the mess. It's just like the church got wheat and tears. The government, the police force, everything got wheat and tares in it. But I'm just saying, this faith message got to be preached because, yo, we can completely overwhelm systems, cities, and whatever the case may be with faith. I just, church, I just need the Ville Church. I need you to believe that. I need you to believe that. Real quick, last thing I'm going to say. When Matt was called to, to plant this church, his mission was this. Matt's mission was this right here. Matt said, I already told you what, you know, diverse church, 
urban context, and the mission was, I'm going to start a gospel mess. <coughs> that was it. It didn't lean to structure, and it didn't lean to anything else but that. He said, he showed up in the city, and he said, I'm about to get in the street, and I'm going to start preaching the gospel, and it's going to start this church, and it's going to cause a gospel mess. Just like Paul said to him in the Bible, he said, we got a mess popping. Let's get the elders. Let's get the leaders, and you bring some organization to it, right? Matt did his job. He started a gospel mess. Now we have the Ville Church standing here. You get where I'm coming from? Shirk dog, can I say this? Can I, is it all right if I say this? All right. So we're going to have a vision night very soon. And I wasn't supposed to say this or whatever at all. And I'm, I don't know if it's wisdom or not, but I don't care. While I'm preaching on, <laughs> while preaching on faith, I'm going to say it. We've been praying for a long time. And, like, listen, I've been dying to get to this place because I know so many people, y'all are on fire. That's why I said what I said earlier, that I know that I could just see what God is doing in your lives. I hear the ideas you bring to me, everything else or whatever. And you're like, yo, let's get after it. But I haven't really felt like God has released us to like to go to this other place or whatever. And so I've just been writing down your ideas when you come to me. But the vision that we feel like God has given us for this church is to plant 10 churches in the next 10 years in the urban context. That's the long vision right there, whatever. And so, you know, first we're going to get the slides to work. That's our first step, number one, all right? But I need you, I need you praying. I need you praying really hard because I don't know how that's going to get done. I don't know how we're going to afford it, but I know that God is able. I'm like crazy pregnant with faith right now. No pun on my stomach or whatever, but anyway, you get what I'm saying? But God is able. He's able. He's able. When it's said and done in 10 years, I want to know that we planted some healthy churches inside of contexts that are really neglected for the most part. Not that there's not people on the ground doing work, but how do we come in there, help plant? Like they, as many churches are in this city, there's not enough churches. And especially in the urban context, it's not lucrative, right? Not to indict all churches like they're all about money, but listen, it's not lucrative for a church. So we have to come. I need, I'm like, God, I'm praying, God, how do we think of something economical to attach to the model of the church to be able to fund this, these churches? How do we get a pastor in there? I'm like, we could put bivocational pastors in place, but... Yo, we need somebody to come deal with what's going on in the community for real. Missional families who, me and my family are going to move from this side of town and go live in this context and give our life to it. By faith, we're going to go sacrifice to see this area made whole. And we're not coming in to fix it. We're coming in there to learn and be family with the people that are there. 